yeah, how we doing? Hey, you go ahead and have a seat. Oh, yeah, who remembers that from last time I was here? Oh, yeah, that's kind of my, my catchphrase, so to speak. Hey, uh, we doing well this morning? We ready for, uh, man, worship's got us ready to go. We ready for a word from the Lord. You guys ready to press into God and, and listen to the voice of God with me this morning? Ready? Hey, uh, I just want to bring greetings from Jacksonville, Florida, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars, playing even today in London. Woo, yeah, we probably went some year in London. I was like, how can I get over there for that game right after this service? Man, I couldn't find a way. But uh, yeah, greetings from Jacksonville, from Pastor Stovall and Carrie, our senior pastors, as well as our entire uh, staff, our team, uh, all of our volunteers, our church family, from our church family to yours. We're one family. Um, and uh, we just want to bring you greetings. We love you. We pray for you. Uh, we're so excited about what God is doing here at Thousand Hills Church, what he's doing uh, in Netherlands and in Europe. God's moving. There's something powerful that's, that's happening, and you're a part of that. Amen? We're all a part of it together because we're, uh, we're one family around the world. And uh, uh, I want to bring greetings, too, from my wife, Carrie, my, my two daughters, Hannah and, and Raina. They couldn't be here this time, but I promised them I will not come to Netherlands without them again. They made me promise before I left this time that next time they're on the plane with me. But uh, they bring their greetings as well. Uh, why don't we turn to Second um, uh, Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, that'll be our text today. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. We're continuing in the family series. Family is something I'm very passionate about. I love my family. I love to help families be whole, be habitats for wholeness, so to speak. I love it when a family really, when they really get it and they come together to serve Jesus together. When Jesus is at the center of a family, that family is, they're, they're trending the right direction. They're going the right direction. No matter what might be happening around them, if Jesus is at the center of their family, they're going the right direction. God is moving in power. And so um, it's my pleasure to speak to you uh, today and, and, and share with you on family. And we're going to look here in a few minutes at a spiritual family and a natural family in the scriptures. Uh, real quick before we do, though, I do want to thank Pastor Sebastian and Pastor Ava for having me out. I love your pastors. They're awesome. I love them. I love your team. Got to spend time with the team. Oh, man. I just got back from housing campus with uh, Jan Willem and Yobin. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Uh, Vince and Melissa. Come on. We, had, we spent time together. Um, Hester, who I founded as a prophetess. I don't know if you know Hester. She's prophetic. She's a prophetess. And her husband, Xander, is a chef and hospitality, king of hospitality. So now that the secret is out, you know who to find when you need a great meal prepared uh, for your family gathering. I, I, spilled the, I spilled that secret while I was over there with them at house on campus as well. Uh, but I, I mean, I love your team. Your team is incredible. Samantha, who works uh, with the kids. Um, incredible team. You're, you're well led here. You're well pastored. You're well shepherded. You have a great team of people who are, are, are building the church and growing the church and that are here to serve you. And I just think that's important to recognize. Um, all of you here, you, you know, our job, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, is to help you grow to spiritual maturity. Our job is not to do the work of ministry. It's to train and equip you for the work of ministry. And you need great leaders to do that. Uh, you need great leaders who can help identify and call out the gifts of God in your life. And uh, you got that here at Thousand Hills. So just real quick, why don't you put your hands together and honor your leadership, your pastors, all of your leaders. I love your team. I've had so much fun with them. Oh, man. Esther, you did a great job translating for me over these last couple services, but it's kind of fun to be up here speaking in English. Oh, yeah. Here we go. So as believers, we belong to one another. 
As believers, we belong to one another. I think as, as spiritual people, we, we know that we belong to God, right? There's, there's a relationship there. But it says in John chapter 1, verse 12, the scripture tells us that to all who have received Christ, to those who have believe in his name, that God has given the right to become children of God. Which means not only is there a parental relationship between us and God, but there's also a, a sibling relationship between all of us. That we're, we're sons and daughters of God, but we're also brothers and sisters with each other. Isn't that fun to think about? No matter where you live on earth, we have about a billion Christian brothers and sisters, if the numbers are accurate. There's about a billion Christians on earth. That's our family. Our spiritual family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, uh, as God's family, we're called and we're equipped to leave a spiritual legacy in the earth. There's a generational component to following Christ. There, there are, are tragic stories in the scriptures that describe times when a generation kind of kept all the spiritual energy for themselves but didn't pass it on. The first one comes to mind is, is Joshua's generation. You might be familiar with this, this story. You know, Moses takes the Israelites through the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness. They go into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua and a generation of faith. And they take the promised land and they lay hold of all the promises of God. But it says in Judges, which is the, the book that immediately follows the, the account of Joshua and taking the promised land, it said that they all went to their homes, they went to their farms, they went and they, they sort of fell asleep. It says a generation came up after them that knew not the Lord. They enjoyed the power and the presence of God in their lives, but they didn't share it with their children. Their children knew not the Lord. How about that? I think what, how tragic that is because that's not what God intends for us. He intends for us to experience him as families, not just as individual sons and daughters walking in the earth, but there's, there's a component of our spirituality that we are meant to experience in families. And this isn't just your natural family. Of course, if you're, you're here, you're in a family married with children, you, you have your family, and you're, you're meant to experience God as a family. Not just the husband goes to men's night, and the uh, wife goes to sisterhood, and the kids go to kids' church, and everybody kind of has their own little thing. And God means for you to experience his power and his presence together. I'm here to tell you that today. That might be news to some of you. But that's what God has planned for us, that in families we experience something. It's, it's a magnified experience of his presence. It's, it's not just one plus one equals two. It's, it's exponential. And those of you who have experienced it know exactly what I mean. Uh, when, I, when I gave my life to the Lord, I, I, I grew up, I'm a first generation Christian. I, my parents didn't know the Lord. They did their best with me, but we didn't have faith in my family. And so I grew up, and I'm the first-generation Christian in my family. God came and got me, and now he's getting all the rest of my family. But uh, uh, you may not have grown up with a component of faith in your home. I'm here to tell you, you can change everything if you'll make a commitment to pass on your spiritual legacy into your kids. There is a powerful blessing that's in store. Your, your faith, the practices and spiritual disciplines you learn, you can leave a spiritual legacy. You can pass those on to your children. And I didn't know anything. My parents did their best, but they, I didn't have good role models to follow in this. Jesus taught me everything I know about this. I promise you, I knew nothing except what I learned from the Bible about how to raise kids. And praise the Lord, I have two teenage daughters. Pray for me. 
beautiful, tall teenage daughters. They're six foot, five, 11, beautiful, smart, talented. I'm like, Jesus, please help me. I don't know what to do. My favorite thing about them is that they love the Lord. Come on, I'm telling you some personal stories so you can get to know me. My oldest daughter, she's only dated one boy. You know, we walked through it. We had that boy come over and stay with us for a little while. In order to date my daughter, he had to come over and he had to meet our family. We had to sit and have a meal together. We sat at the table together. And, you know, I, I gently asked him questions like, so what is your, your intentions with my daughter? What do you intend to do with my daughter? How you guys are interested in dating. Tell me about that. What does that look like to you? Because she's a Wyatt. She is a part of my family. She is a Wyatt and she's special. She's very unique in all the earth. Tell me what you're going to do about it. He's sweating. He's sitting at the table. Poor kid. He's just sweating. He's like, can I have another glass of water? My wife is like, would you like, would you like a glass of water? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, after, about, uh, after a couple months, my, my daughter came to me. She's like, man, he's kind of clingy. She's a, he's a little bit, I don't know. He just he always wants to know what's going on and stuff. I don't think I'm, I'm cut out for boyfriends. I'm going to wait till I get married. I was like, Hallelujah. <laughs> this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the very spirit of God. That's what I told her about that. But uh, you can leave a spiritual legacy in your natural family, but also in your spiritual family. Uh, your, your pastors and leaders, we're, we're here to mentor you, to disciple you, to, to help you follow God. We, we're not here just to, to be Jesus for you. We're here to connect you to Jesus Right? We're here to help you connect with Jesus so that you can be all that God has called you to be in Christ. That's when we get the win. Is it when you connect to us? It's when you connect to God and each other. And that's what it looks like to be a spiritual family. And there's a blessing in all that. In, in the scripture today, I'm about to read this passage and we'll have it on the big Bible in the sky, I believe, as well. We see a spiritual family. We see a natural spiritual family, like a natural family that has Christ. And we see a spiritual family. Uh, relationship between Paul and his, the recipient of this letter, Timothy. Let me go ahead and read through this, and we'll pray, and I'll start to share some of the things that I find in this passage. This is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm reading out of the ESV. Uh, it's Paul. The author of this is Paul. He's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I want to share with you in this family series, just for the next few minutes, about leaving a legacy of faith. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we just submit our hearts to you. We submit our will to you. We surrender ourselves here in your presence to you. We sing songs about that. I just pray that that would be our hearts. We'd be open to hear from you today. As we open your word, there's the potential for our lives to be changed forever, and we invite you to do that, not by my words, but by you speaking through me or 
Maybe you're speaking into each one of us exactly what we need to hear in this passage. God, we just pray for that. We're open for you to adjust and to guide and to lead us into all righteousness today. We love you and we thank you for the opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, so I wrote down just a couple of of quick notes out of this passage that I want to share with you of what we see. So we see a spiritual family and a natural family following Jesus. We see uh, Timothy and his mother and his grandmother. They're all believers. But we also see Paul in a spiritual relationship with Timothy, who's his son in the faith. And it says in, in verses 1 and 2, it says Paul, and he's writing to Timothy, and he calls him my beloved child, my beloved child. The interesting thing here is that Um, So obviously he's not Timothy's natural father. He's not Timothy's natural father. Uh, In other uh, verses and other chapters of other letters, we find out a little more about Timothy's story. His father was a Greek and most likely a non-believer. He's not involved in this scripture for that reason. Most likely is that he wasn't a follower of Jesus. But somehow on Paul's first missionary journey, they came through Timothy's hometown by divine appointment. Paul shows up and preaches the gospel of the kingdom. He shows up and he preaches that salvation is here, that the Messiah has come. His name is Jesus. He lived a a powerful life marked by miracles and, and the presence of God. But evil men nailed him to a cross and took his life. But he was buried in the ground for three days. And on the third day, the power of God raised him from the dead. And now he lives seated at the right hand of the throne of God, the father in heaven. That's the gospel of the kingdom. And it's what was preached when Eunice and Lois and Timothy gave their lives to the Lord. It, it, it's, it's kind of debated amongst scholars if, if that happened exactly like that. But we know that when Paul comes back on his next missionary journey, we know that Timothy is full of faith. Timothy is on fire. He's spoken well of by the other members of his church community. There's something special about Timothy, something unique. God is doing something. They're very curious about him. Uh, And it says that in a prayer meeting, most likely with all the elders present, that they lay their hands on Timothy and they're praying for him. And God imparts this powerful gift into him. It doesn't say exactly what the gift is, but it's a supernatural encounter with God. In a church service, with the elders laying, just like we do at the altar every week, like a powerful moment happens with this kid, and Paul takes note of it, and he says, there's something special about Timothy. Timothy, I want you to come with me on my missionary journey. You've got faith. Your family is filled with faith. You're filled with Trust in the Lord. There's something special about you. I want you to come with me. God has obviously called you to this. And he goes with Paul. He's on his second missionary journey now. He's, he's going and visiting churches that he had planted originally in his first trip. But then he's also planting new churches. He's taking new ground for the kingdom of God. It's undoubted that Timothy experienced signs, wonders, and miracles as they preached. They would see whole communities come to the Lord and see, you know, blind eyes opened. They would see miraculous healings with the preaching of the word of God. They would see these things. But it's also, it's also no doubt that he saw failures, that he saw disappointment, that he saw things not go as planned. Paul didn't really have a plan. He, his whole plan was follow the Holy Spirit. 
It says in the passages in Acts 16 where it talks about Paul and Timothy on that trip. It, it talks about how you know they, they want to go one way, but they're blocked, and the Holy Spirit sends them another way. Think about Timothy. He's not learning these things in a classroom. He's not learning how to listen to the voice of God in a classroom, sitting in a class. He's learning it on the mission field with the Apostle Paul, who's planting the original churches around the known world. This is a special young man, and he's, on a, he's in a special situation, but it's all because Paul saw something in him and invited him into his life. And it's on these trips in the fire of ministry that their hearts are knit together. Paul becomes his father in the faith, and Timothy becomes his beloved son. How about that? A bond that's formed in, in adversity, a bond that's formed in, in, in navigating good times and bad together. He becomes his son in the faith. And he's writing in this letter because Timothy goes on. Even when, when Paul writes this letter, Paul's in prison. His ministry season is over. But he's writing this letter as he's waiting for his day of execution. He's writing his letter to his beloved son in the faith who is now pastoring all the churches of all the communities around the city of Ephesus. Which Ephesus, like I think of, I think of Amsterdam, when I think of Ephesus, it was a powerful, influential, cosmopolitan city of the time. It was Ephesus. And Timothy, this young man, grows up to be the pastor of all the churches in that city. And Paul's writing this letter to encourage him. How about that? He grows up and through all this experience, God prepares him for this massive undertaking. But um. Paul leaves this legacy of faith. Even once his time of ministry is done, he has someone that he's poured his life into that continues on the work of the Lord. I want to ask you today, who are you pouring into? Who is your Timothy? Who is that, that young man or that young woman that you're pouring into? They might be in your own house. It might be your sons and daughters. If you have kids, look no further. I promise you, I spend the majority of my time ministering to my wife, and after that, the kids get whatever's left over. And then whatever's left over after that, I give to all everybody else. All right, I make sure that my wife is taken care of, filled with faith, all of her dreams and visions that God's given her are being met. And then I take care of making sure my kids have everything that they need to grow spiritually and grow to maturity in the faith and fan into flame, as we'll see in a second, the gifts that are in them. They have everything they need. Out of the abundance and the overflow of that, praise the Lord, I'm able to come here and be with you. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be here if things weren't good at home. All right? So just keep that, keep that in mind. You can have legacy in your home, but also legacy. I've had people that I've led to Christ and had a chance to walk with them. I've had sons in the faith. I have some now. Praise the Lord, because of my position, I have a chance to mentor and, and pastor and shepherd other pastors. But it's not up to the pastors to do this. You don't have to be the Apostle Paul to be a Paul in someone's life. Do you understand that you have gifts and, and talents and abilities inside of you? Gifts of prophecy, gifts of evangelism, uh, ministry gifts, hospitality gifts, all kinds of gifts that are there because of God. But they're not just for you. They're there for you to pass on to someone else. Your kids, your kids' friends, your neighbors, your neighborhood, the community. Imagine if... If we lived our lives in a way that we didn't just use all of our, our spiritual giftings for ourselves, but instead we used them to make a powerful impact all around Hilversum, all around Hausen, all around Netherlands, all around Europe, even to the ends of the earth. Can you imagine if, if we were outwardly focused 
like you are. I commend you for the things you're doing to, to serve those who are in need. You have a clothes closet and a clothes, uh, providing clothes who, for people who don't have any. You're being the hands of feet in Jesus when you do that. You're building into them spiritually as you meet their physical needs. You're ministering to your children. You're, you're here in church today. You're here in church. Your kids are learning some of the th- same things in a children's version of what you're hearing in here today. They're going to be, you need to ask them, by the way. Ask them about the light of the world, all right? They're going to talk a little bit about the fire fanning into flame, the fire in their hearts. You ask them about that on the way home. Let's get back to the scripture. All right, so, whew, praise the Lord. I'm excited about this stuff. Are you? I, I know, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty fired up. I've had several cups of coffee this morning. And being able to speak in English, I'm talking fast. I hope you're able to keep up. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So the spiritual relationship, who is your Timothy? Who are you, who are you pouring into? Who is your Paul? Who is your spirit, spiritual parent? I have spiritual father in the faith. Uh, not just the guy that, that has discipled me over the years, but different pastors on staff, different mentors of mine. I want to encourage you. You should have someone that you can identify as your Paul who's pouring into your life. Uh, as well as others. Who's your Timothy? Who are you pouring into? It's back to the scriptures in verse three. Paul writes this. He says, I remember you, Timothy, constantly in my prayers, day and night. Boy, you want to leave a lasting legacy of faith, it's going to take prayer. You better commit yourself to being a person of prayer. Not just to be a Christian, but to leave a legacy. Because if you'll pray, these are the kind of prayers that God loves to answer. God, won't you reveal your power and your love to my son? Won't you make him a mighty man of God? Won't you make my daughter grow up uh, with character that astounds people and, and the kind of love and compassion that people are attracted to Christ in her? These are the kind of prayers God loves to answer. If you're going to be a Paul, if you're going to be a mentor, a spiritual father, a mother, you're going to leave a legacy of faith. That's what it takes. It's going to take prayer. You can't do this in your own power. It says in verse 5 that I'm reminded of your sincere faith. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. It's that faith that Paul saw in Timothy. That he saw something pure and truthful and honest about his response to God. I want to encourage you today. Do you have that? That sincere faith? Are you hungry to grow? Are you hungry to learn? Are you hungry to open up your life to others? It's one of the most important things to being a part of a family is to actually participate in family life. Opening up your home, sharing meals together. Uh, There's something about faith that unlocks that. Pursue that. You'll grow and you'll start to leave a legacy in the people that God surrounds you with. But Paul saw it in Timothy, this sincere faith. He saw it in his grandma. He saw it in his mother and he saw it in in Timothy. And he says, for this reason, in verse 6, because of your sincere faith, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Famous verse. Fan into flame the gift of God. Church, I I would contend with you, if we need to fan in the flame the gift of God, that, that kind of logically translates into our gifts can go cold. Even if God has, has placed a gift in us, it might be dormant or sleeping. And sometimes it's up to us to wake it up. Amen? Paul writes that to Timothy. He doesn't say, hey, Timothy, I'm writing to you to fan into flame. By this letter, I'm going to fan into flame. He says, no, Timothy, you have a sincere faith. The power of God fell on you. I saw it. I saw how you responded against adversity. I want to remind you, don't let that go cold. I want to encourage you today. And maybe there's something that's grown cold in your relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you. If you've, 
If you've got a, a gift from the Lord to, to love or to serve, maybe it's a prophetic gift to be able to nurture and build up the body of Christ. Maybe it's uh, an apostolic gift to start new things for God. I don't know what your gift is. Teaching the word of God. These are spiritual gifts that I'm looking all around the room. Everyone in your seats. You know, it's not just the people on the platform that have the gifts. They're all of us. We all have these gifts inside of us. What has grown cold in you? Has anything that you need to kind of turn up the heat on in your life? If there is, I want to encourage you today. Respond to God in that. I want to challenge you. This is your day. I'm calling out the gifts in you, that prophetic gift that you see dreams or visions. When you pray, you see images, you see pictures, something comes to your mind. And you know you're supposed to share it with that other person, but you don't because you're afraid. I'm going to challenge you today. It says don't back away from it. That's what Paul's instruction is to Timothy. He says, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God. In verse 7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear. He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power. Everyone say power. power. Of love. Everyone say love. love. And self-control. Power, love, and self-control. How about that? If you, let me, let me say this. If you're working to leave a legacy in your, in your kids, your, your home, you have kids, and you're letting fear control how you parent them, that's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God is power, love, and self-control. If you, you fly off the handle, you're angry, with your kids, that's not the spirit of God. Power, love, self-control. Ooh, I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm here to encourage you that you can do it differently. I don't know what, what gets put inside of us when we're young, but a lot of time that translates into our parenting. I'm here to tell you, Jesus can give you exactly what you need, even in those times when you're about to lose your faith because of your kids. Happened to me when they're little, happened to me when they were in elementary, middle, high school. Now I have a young adult. It's still happening to me. I feel like I'm about to lose my faith sometimes. But that's not from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has given me a spirit of love, power, love, and self control. When I start to feel anxious about my kids, I just remind myself and I remind all the powers of death, hell, and the grave that she belongs to Jesus. If you want to come against my daughter, you got to take that up with Jesus. I remind the devil of that. It's not that I spend a lot of time talking to him, but sometimes I want to tell the powers and principalities that are looking for a way into my marriage, I want to tell them, hey, Jesus is here so you can't be. Are you with me? Sometimes you got to speak out loud. I, I, I shared this the other day in, in a different setting, but did you know that the creator God, there's one true creator God, the great I am, Yahweh, the great creator God. There are all kinds of other spiritual powers and forces. There's only one creator. Everything else has been created. Everything else is limited. There's only one creator, the, the one true God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the one true God. He's the only omnipotent, all-present, all-powerful God. He's the only one that knows your thoughts besides you. The devil doesn't know what you're thinking. He can only judge you by your actions and your words. That's for somebody today. He can tempt you into things because he watches you. He watches how you act and how you treat other people. He can't tell what you're thinking. Only you and God know that. So I want to encourage you, listen to the voice of the Lord. If you're anxious, man, that's, that's, that's not from the Lord. Speak out loud when you start to be nervous or anxious about your kids. Don't speak death over them. Speak life. You will leave a legacy of life if you speak life over them. I want to encourage you. That Was that a little too much? Are you all still with me? 
You're still with me? I'm telling you, God wants to move in power in your families. He's creating a legacy in your homes, in your neighborhoods. I want to leave you three practical. I love it, practical messages. It's kind of my thing. I love to, to exegete the scriptures, but I love practical messages. I'm going to pull three practical points from this last verse that are going to help you leave a legacy in your family or your spiritual family. First one is it's got to be done with power. Very simple, with power. I think the, this famous verse is here for a reason in this beautiful picture of family of faith and a natural family following Jesus. You got to do it with power. Got to do it with power. Don't try to be a Christian parent or a Christian husband or a Christian friend in your own strength, friend. That is not going to work. You need the power of God. You and I, we need the power of God if we're going to be different than all the rest. There's something unique about those who access the power of the uncontainable, gracious, all-powerful God. There's, and he's living and dwelling inside of you according to the scriptures. He doesn't live off on the far side of the galaxy somewhere and just every once in a while throws us a few coins or something. That's not God. The almighty and all-powerful infinite God, the spirit of God lives inside of you who believe. You take him with you everywhere you go. The kingdom of God is near. You take him into your relationships. You take him into your friendships. You take him into your neighborhoods. You take him into your cookouts and your barbecues. You take him into your group meetings. You take him into your schools. The kingdom of God goes everywhere you go. You need to operate in that power if you're going to leave a lasting legacy of faith. Jesus himself said this, Acts chapter 1, famous verse. He says to his disciples before he's translated into the heavens, he says, you will receive Power. Everyone say power. power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. I would contend if you want to leave a legacy, you're going to have to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. You're going to have to do it by the same power that makes us evangelists outside of the church. It's the same power that makes us evangelists in our homes and our families. The presence of God, the very presence of God. I love how Ephesians chapter three says that he's able to do, remember this, this is famous, infinitely more than anything we could ever ask or imagine. I can imagine my kids growing up loving Jesus. I can imagine that with my finite mind. He's like, that's nothing. I got this. Woo, I'm not saying, I'm telling you, there's grace, there's power. I don't know where you're at in your life, your parenting, what your experience has been, but I'm telling you, today, if you will call on the power of God, he will help mend broken relationships. He will bring the lost home. He will speak to the hearts of people and change their hearts. We can only change people's hearts and minds by manipulation. He can speak to them in their dreams and visions, and he can lead them back to a safe place. If you got somebody in your family that's lost or far from God, man, you start praying the power of God over their lives. You'll see a change. Just like Paul prayed for Timothy. I remember you constantly in my prayers. Remember that person in your prayers constantly. The second thing that we're all going to need if we're going to leave a legacy, first is power. Second is love. Oh, 1 Corinthians 13. Could have all the gifts in the world, but without power, what is it? Where's them symbols? I can't get to them. I like the drums, by the way. I like cymbals. But uh, that's what Paul calls the sound of our, our, our swift speech. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian when we don't act like it. We say we're believers, we're followers of Jesus, and yet we treat other people as less than us. We dismiss them. We don't treat them as valuable. 
I think of it this way. Every, every human being is a son or a daughter of God. Some are still lost and haven't come home yet. All right, but every one of them belongs to God. As are God's sons and daughters. If you're here today and you're far from God, I'm telling you, you are in the right place. God is burning in your heart right now. I guarantee it. Because I sat in your seat once. God was burning in my heart and it almost leapt out, left out of my chest. I was like, I, have, I want to get right with God. If you want that, God's ready to receive you home. He'll do it lovingly. He won't condemn you. He won't point out all of your faults. His love is perfect and gracious. And yet we think about how we treat people sometimes. We exclude them. Jesus never excluded anyone. We marginalize them. We push them off to the sides. Sorry, I'm busy. Jesus was never too busy. He always recognized that people needed love in the moment. And he always took every opportunity he could to show the love of God to everyone he met. What if we acted like that? Can you imagine the legacy that we would leave in Jacksonville, in Florida, in Netherlands? What a different legacy than people think when they think about Christians. Right now, I think when they think about Christians, what's the first thing that you probably think of that people think about Christians? I hear hypocrites. They don't, they don't act like they talk. They're not very loving. They're not very kind. People say this about Christians. I'm like, what Christians do you know? Me and my friends, we're trying to be as loving and caring as we can. The, there's something about the reputation for some reason that people don't think of Christians as the most loving people. I want to challenge you today, Thousand Hills Church, to endeavor to change that. Be the most loving person you possibly can to everyone you meet. You will shine like stars in the dark night sky because the world is cold and the world is dangerous and hurtful and hateful. When people come to Christ, they find safety and security and like a warm blanket on a cold night. They find the love of Christ and he never withholds it from anyone. Amen? Come on. Last thing, we need power, we need love. And we need self-control. Or some of your, your translations may say a sound mind. But self, it's self-control. It's having a mind fixed on God. It's going to take self-control for us to follow Christ. Paul writes to Timothy in another letter. He, he says that, uh, said Timothy, uh, it's in 1 Timothy, his other letter to him. He encourages him to train himself for godliness. It takes training. If you're going to be an athlete, a top athlete, you can't just stumble into the game. You train for it. You prepare for it. You discipline yourself for it. You sacrifice for it. Train yourself for godliness. What is God calling you to give up or to do differently or to change in a habit or a routine that you have that's going to help leave a legacy of faith in the people's lives around you? I promise you it's not going to be free. It's going to cost you something. Any parent knows this. We sacrifice ourselves for the good of our children. What is God calling you to sacrifice so that you can be a Paul to someone, right? To be their spiritual father or mother. Would you give up your time, a little bit of your time? Would you give up a little bit of your energy, a little bit of your money, meet some needs? What is God calling you to be a Timothy? If you're looking for spiritual guidance and direction, you don't have to just come to Pastor Sebastian. 
This room is filled with people with a wealth of experience following God and filled with the Holy Spirit who have walked through different seasons of life and are ready to share their experience with you. If you're a young person, you gotta go find that person. You need to give up some of your time on your phone and look an older believer in the eyes and learn from their experience. They will pour into you if you let them. But it's gonna take self-control on your part. Put your phone down, leave it in the car and let an older believer pour into you. It's going to take self-control if we're going to leave this legacy of faith. I want to close with this thought. Power, love, self-control. I want to close with this thought. I'm setting before you a choice today. I'm an encourager. You guys know that about me? Oh, yeah. I'm an encourager. But I want to encourage you with something that's a challenge. That's how encouragers do it. I'm going to ask you to challenge yourself, but I'm going to do it with a smile. I want to challenge you today. What is it that you need to let go of and say no to so you can say yes to a spiritual legacy? Where where do you need to to steward your time differently, your your money differently? Um, These things take time and money and energy and all of our limited resources. We have to set aside a portion of that to sow into others. I love how the scripture says that um, God has given all of us. He's given us, it's talking about finances, but he's talking about, you can apply it as a spiritual principle. He gives us bread for food and seed for sowing. All right, the bread is for us to eat. It sustains us. But the seed is for the next generation. If we eat the seed and consume it all ourselves, we'll never have a harvest. We'll be like the Joshua generation that saw a great move of God in Hilversum and Hausen and where, you know, beautiful buildings were once again filled with people worshiping the risen God. And in a generation, it could all be gone if we eat our seed and we don't choose to leave a spiritual legacy for those who come behind us. Will you make those changes and those sacrifices? Let the Lord speak to you about what they are because they're unique to all of us. Let's pray. I want to pray for you in this. Father, we love you. And God, I thank you for your precious people. Everyone here under the sound of my voice, watching via video. God, I just thank you that you speak to our hearts. Help us to see that our lives are not our own, but our lives are intended to, to be for the benefit of others. Just like you, Jesus, you gave your life so that we could be made whole, so that we could be made free. God, you willingly laid down your life so that we could have life. We didn't have life until you gave us life. So God, help us to to follow in your footsteps in that, to pour our lives into our children, to pour our lives into spiritual sons and daughters, beloved sons and daughters in the faith. Help us be open to teaching, open to correction from our our Pauls and the people that are, are going ahead of us that can help us navigate every season of life. God, help us to walk in unity together as the family of God. Not just here in in Thousand Hills Church, but in in all of your church around the world, God. It's your church. There's only one church in in the world, and it's all of us that belong to you. God, help there to be unity amongst us. God, help us not to get caught up in our our brand or our logo or our preferences or opinions, but God, help us to see you as the leader of all of our church. You're the great high priest and we worship you. We surrender and submit our lives to you today. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.